He chose you before you knew anything about making choices or decisions. He chose you before you knew anything about anything. Amen? He chose you before you knew anything about anything at all. Let's take a look at something here to, to introduce this. Psalm 139. Turn to that. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. We're going to be looking back and forth between the um, English Standard Version. I had to tie my shoe. The one thing I, ca- I cannot afford to do today is step on a shoelace and do one of these. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. Looking at the ESV. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret... Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. That kind of speaks for itself as far as what the intricacy of how you were created before you even knew anything about anything. Amen? Amen. Next, let's take a look at Psalm 139. You're just going further back. Verses 1 through 4. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all, all you know it altogether. Now when you read these Psalms and you look at this what's being said basically about you, what do you think? How do you react to something like this? How do you respond to that? You know, in the heat of the moment of life, we sometimes just don't recognize or remember Bible scriptures like this. But this shows something very, very special and unique about you. It isn't just about how it just says, well, God made you. There is even detail as to what was involved in that, how you were being made, and how he knows all about you as a person. He knows all about your Self, all about your business, what you're doing on your uptime, when you're working on your downtime. He is intricately involved. Amen? Amen. Any thoughts on that? Let me say something. Sure. Okay. It might sound a little weird. But it might sound weird? Yeah. You know, the verses you just read yes. make you think that. You was created when God created all the earth. Yes. You would just come about now as a temple for him to dwell in. Oh, okay. You know, that, that, that's the way I see those verses. Okay. That's a great point. That wasn't weird. That was, it was out of the box, but it, was, it wasn't weird. Sometimes you got to go out of the box. Sometimes you got to go out of the box. That's right. Amen. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, 
And you have searched me, O oh Lord. The first one through four, in my humanness, I can understand him knowing me and seeing me, know my motives, know my heart. But it's mind-boggling to realize he knew me before he knit me together. Okay. Yeah. That's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling is a great phrase to use for that. It's you can't fully understand. You cannot even fully conceptualize what that means. That's a very good way to put it. I agree with that. Okay. It's not man-made anything, is it? Man can't do this. Only God can do this. Very good. He knew all about you before, and he knows all about you right now. Here's what we need to take away from this, too. You are God's intentional creation. You weren't just created. You were an intentional creation. Intentional. In other words, it's not just something where he just said, like one day God said, okay, I'm just going to do this, this, and this, and have that type of... That's not how he did it. He had a deliberate way that you were going to be shaped and formed. He gave you a unique personality. He gave you unique attributes. All these things you have, you are intentionally created by God. He created you for a reason and a purpose And there was no mistake surrounding, there is no mistake surrounding your very existence. No mistake. If you don't get anything else out of this, you should know that you have an incredible value before God. Amen? You have an incredible value and worth before God because he chose you to be one of his own. You're chosen. Chose you to be one of his own. So the first part, God chose you. Next, you were chosen to live in his image. You were chosen to live in his image. Absolutely. You're not just here for a random circumstance. He created you for a reason and purpose, but he chose you to live according to his image. Now, we as human beings have a decision to make as to whether or not we want to accept that and really live that way. We have the freedom of choice to either choose to follow Jesus Christ or not. But the intent was for you to live in his image. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1.27. And understand that, look at what he says about, it's referring to Adam and Eve, but it really is referring to all of us. Because we just follow Adam and Eve. Genesis 1.27. I see some paper Bibles, I see a lot of electronic Bibles today. Y'all are just bad, ain't you? <laughs> Amen. That's all right. So it says in Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. What does it say? God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So who, how you were created? In what? His image. 
There is no question about it. That is the way you were created. That is the what that is the image that you have. So since you were chosen by God and created in his image, it paves the way for you to have a unique relationship with him. Your relationship with God is not like any other one. It is unique. It is to be to be unique is being the only one of its kind. It's unlike anything else. It's special. No one in this room is exactly alike. Amen? amen. And some of us say a big amen to that because they're trying to be smart. But, <laughs> but none of us are exactly alike. You have your own unique DNA. You have your own, even twins and triplets. They may look identical to us, and they absolutely do have that, but they are still different. They're still different people. And that's another wonder that, you know, we won't even know about until we leave here. We'll, that's something that only God can actually answer those questions as, how, as, how, as to how that happens. But he creates you to be unique in a special way. Your relationship with God is unique and special. Okay? Unique and special. Very important for you to see that. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of a throwback for some of us here because when we talk about this image thing, we, you have a handout. Many of you do already have a handout that we've actually used in the past about the image thing and how you live according to God's image. And we, we had the acronym together for that. We'll go over that very quickly just to remind you of that or show that to you because that's something that when you look at how you're going to be living for Jesus Christ, there are some things that you should be doing if you really want to live according to the image that he created you to be. And what that really means is that you're going to be doing some things in your life to practice these things. The I for image stands for investigate. And, in, and this is where, if you don't have the handout, you can certainly write it down. Mm-hmm. Investigate. Not just reading the Bible, but going more in-depth with Scripture Really getting deep into what scripture has to say to you. In-depth knowledge. In other words, you're not just reading the Bible like it's a novel. You're not reading the Bible like it's a, a book that's on the bestsellers list. You're actually getting in, looking at what the word says, and using commentaries, and using additional ways to get deeper and more in-depth with study. Because you're not really going to learn a whole lot if you're not really getting deeper into the word. That's why we say investigate. You've got to be an investigator. You've got to get deeper into the word each and every day. And we certainly encourage daily Bible reading, daily Bible reading, daily Bible reading. I said it three times. Next, meditate. Meditating on what you've read. Meditating on what the word means. That's what the M stands for in image. Meditating on his word. Meditating means sitting quietly and reflecting upon what you've been reading. If you're reading the word, now you need to take the time to really pray and think about what God is saying to you and how he's speaking to you. And for some of you, this might be repetitive, but that's okay. We love reinforcement here. Meditating on his word. Meditating on it and really listening to how the Holy Spirit speaks to you about what that word means. Next, the A stands for act. And, and one thing we have to look at is actions. You know, we talk about being doers of the word and not just hearers. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Well, that means what you've been reading and meditating about, now you're going to put it into practice. You're going to actually act on it. You're going to actually do application on a daily basis with what you've been reading. In other words, people are now going to see the fruits of your study. They'll see the fruits of your knowledge, your wisdom that you're getting from God as far as what you've been doing. So you're going to be acting on it every day. And you'll notice there are some scriptures even referenced as well. No, I didn't reference scriptures to that. Well, that's okay. That's been done in the past. So, But there are many scriptures that talk about being doers of the word, not just hearers, and just going out and just living for Christ before other people. James. James, yes. Yes, in the book of James. <laughs> Not that book of James. The other book of James. Amen. Right on. The G stands for grow. Growth. You're going to grow as you do these things. You're going to grow as a person. You're going to learn more about how God is working in your life with this constant growth because you're taking the time to read and study his word you're taking the time to meditate on his word the spirit is working and speaking to you with wisdom and knowledge and you're living out your christianity you're going to grow you're going to progress will there be tough days absolutely but even in those tough days there's still a growing experience and the e stands for endure because all of us as believers have to endure something at some time or another. It may be persecution. It just may be a tough time. It may be difficult things that you're going through personally. But that still builds your character. That's something that is very, very important as a believer. So that's where the image comes in. That's where we talk about this. And we've been kind of emphasizing this here at our church. And I hope that uh, you take that to heart, that when God creates you in his image, there are some responsibilities that come with that. It's not just to just sit back and say, okay, God, thanks for making me. No, there's something you have to do with that. So these are the things that we've been talking about, and that's how we have been presenting about living in his image. The third point I want to go to back to where we are now here is that you were chosen to reflect his image. You reflect his image by living the way we just talked about. He chose you to be today's living evidence and example of his existence. A living evidence and example of his existence. Look at Isaiah chapter 43. Verse 10. Isaiah 43, verse 10. First words of the passage says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. See that word? My servants who I have chosen. You are chosen to be his servants. You're reflecting his image. You are his witnesses that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. Let's look at another one. John 15, 16. I promise I won't rush. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Thanks for keeping up. John 15, 16. These are wonderful verses. We you know it's amazing. When you're, when you're looking at this, 
from from strictly from the research aspect of it, and you're looking at these verses and how he's affirming you over and over again about how you have been chosen. And that's what you're going to see here in John 15, 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, let's face it. The first thing, when Jesus Christ had to be introduced to us before we could make a decision for him, amen? Amen. We had to learn about who Jesus was. But he already knew who you were. He knew everything about you already. We had to be introduced to him. We had to learn about who he was. We had to learn what it meant to be a, have, a, have salvation, to have a savior. We had to learn more about ourselves to recognize we needed a savior. But he knew all about you before you even thought one inch of that. Really, really important to see. As you were chosen by him, he reassures you with his promise to remain with you throughout your life. In your uniqueness, you were created to be a part of a team of people who believe in Christ as you live in his presence. A team of people. And what is a team? It's a group. It's like the body, the body of Christ. You're part of a team of people. You're part of a group. We all have one thing in common. The one thing we have in common is that we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever we're doing, wherever we're going, wherever we wind up. And we have a huge team. How big is our team? It's a worldwide team. Amen? Amen. Go to First Peter chapter 2. Verse 9, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV. First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race. You picking up on that? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Called us out of darkness. Where were we before we knew Jesus Christ? We were in darkness. We didn't have any hope. We had no... But we had nothing to look forward to. But until he called us out of that, until he gave us the information for us to make a decision, a conscious decision for Jesus Christ and the need for Christ in our lives, he called us out of darkness. And now we are in his light. We are in his presence. And we are his possession. Do you see that? We belong to him. He readily accepts us as his possession. Okay? I like those sound effects. I I know what that is. That's cool. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. Verses 3 through 6. 
Now, this passage is coming from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. The one I'm reading, when you follow along. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Remember what Roscoe said? We were chosen before the foundation of the world. He had us as part of that grand plan from the beginning. In love he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself, according to his favor and will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us with in the Beloved. So he chose you to live to reflect his image, to live according to his image before others. If you desire to get better in making choices, you should know that Jesus Christ wants the very same thing. If you want to get better at making choices, guess what? He wants the same thing for you too. If you want to make better choices, he wants the same thing for you too. He desires that for you. If you know this, that he chose you, he, gave, he should give you the confidence and the desire to make better choices in life. You should know that you have him on your side to help you with this. Remember what we said before? We go our own way because we do what? We cater to our own flesh. Which is in direct contradiction with what God wants for you. He wants you to make the best choices. So we're going to take a look at how this effort to succeed in making better choices is nothing less than a commitment. Nothing less than a commitment. Amen? Amen. Any questions or comments about what we just talked about? No? That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? I thought we kind of covered a lot of ground there. You have to be confident. There is no reason for any of us as believers in Jesus Christ to lack confidence that the Holy Spirit is going to be a help for you. But you have to draw upon that to do these things. You have to decide that's what you want to do. Amen? What do people that live in the world do? What do they do? They typically re- what rely upon what their own instincts. They rely upon themselves. They rely upon what other people say and do. Amen? Okay. All right. Now, you have an option because we started a little bit early. You can take a five-minute break right now if you want to, or we can keep going. Keep going? Keep going. <laughs> some, of us, some of us may want to take a restroom break. I don't know. You, you just messing with them? Okay. All right. Then we will not. We'll, we'll pass the break. That, that's an option that we do. That's okay. Okay. So we're going to move on then to go to part two. Part two actually has a little bit more material in it, so it might work out pretty well because we're, we're on schedule, so no problem with that at all, too. So part two, we're going to get into a little bit more deeper in the material, and this section is going to talk about the pact begins with prayer and about a commitment that you're making to Jesus Christ. How many of you want to have a stronger commitment for Christ? Oh, my goodness. 
If I could raise three hands, I would. You know what I mean? That's what this is all about. That's what we're all striving for. That's what we're all looking to do. Making a commitment for a relationship with Jesus Christ is so important and it's so, it's so vital for how we, if we want to develop and grow and keep making better choices in our lives, that's what we have to do. Here's a truism. Your commitment to a relationship with Jesus Christ is everything. Everything. It means everything. It's all about everything that you do. It's about your very existence. When you made a decision for Christ, you made a decision that requires a commitment to that decision. A commitment. And we'll talk about that more as we go along. Your commitment to a relationship with Jesus Christ is everything. It has an impact on your closeness to Christ and how a budding relationship with him can positively impact other people in your sphere of influence. What, what does that mean? Your family, your friends, your acquaintances, your co-workers, even the people you run into over the course of a day. You're going to a grocery store. You run into folks. And you may have conversation with these people. You may never, ever see them again. But what do you want to convey? Your relationship with Christ should be somewhere in your persona. Somewhere being emitted from you. Somewhere, even if it's the kindness of your spoken word. You might not even say anything about Christ, but it just might be the way you speak, the way you talk to people, the way you're living. These are all very, very important things that people should be seeing. Remember we said we're living according to the image that God created us in? That's what we're talking about. You're living in that very manner. Your commitment, pardon me, the closer you are with Christ, the more that that light of Christ is going to shine through you. And that's what you want. Your commitment to Christ requires something. It requires something like a contract, like an agreement, we're using the word pact, P-A-C-T. Your commitment to Christ requires a pact. Now, most of you know what a pact is, I would hope. But if you don't, that's okay. We'll go ahead and give a definition from Merriam-Webster. A pact, as defined by Merriam-Webster, is a formal agreement between two countries, peoples, or groups. It is deemed to be special and to be held in high esteem. A pact is merely a formal agreement. That's what it is. So what we're talking about here is a commitment. It's something that's deemed to represent something special. And when we talk about high esteem, it's something that, is something that you hold of value. Very important. <coughs> a commitment to Jesus Christ is meaningful, beneficial, and crucial to the believer who desires to make good, better, and the best choices in life. This commitment for our discussion is a pact with Jesus Christ. So that word pact, you're going to hear it all day here. Okay? So we're going to provide guidance as to how you are to fulfill your end of this pact with Christ, 
your efforts must begin with the act that represents the letter P in the word pact. The letter P is the first word, and that word represents prayer, as, as in pray. Notice that one of the first things we talk about when we talk about living according to his image is reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and then meditating over it. And what does that involve? It involves prayer. It involves silent prayer and meditation. It all starts with prayer. It all starts with praying. Now, let's talk about prayer a little bit more as well, too. Prayer can be defined in many different ways as it pertains to how a person speaks, speaks to, or shares their thoughts with God. But in its simplest terms, prayer is communication to God. Plain and simple. And our way of communicating to God is prayer. That's how we communicate with him. I communicate with you just by speaking words here. You're praying to God. You're speaking whether it's out loud, whether it's silent. This is communication to him. Okay. In order for communication to exist, there must be at least two parties. Amen? Has to be two parties involved. That's something they teach you in class if you're taking a communications class in college. In the same way that communication experts study interpersonal communication as a science and how it improves over time. They actually do a science, make a science out of this. And there is improvement in communication over time. We can also associate the practice of prayer within this communication to improve over time as a relationship with Jesus Christ continues to develop and improve. There should be improvement in your communication as you do this. Does that make sense? You don't get better at something unless you practice it and do it. If you're praying only once a day, I don't think you're going to improve that much as opposed to if you are actually praying without ceasing, as the scripture says, which is all day long. Amen? Okay, I'm just checking with you, making sure. The communication of prayer done either silently or with a spoken word, both work. Both work fine. In every instance, Jesus Christ hears whatever it is that you're praying for. Amen? Amen. Prayer is our way to relate to a personal God. It is our way to relate to a personal God. Remember how we said how personal he is? How he knows who you are? He knows everything about you? He is a personal God. Now, why am I using the word personal? Well, think about this for a minute. We have all kinds of gods that we can point to, living and not living, amen? All throughout civilization, all throughout history, what did people do? They created statues. They created things to worship over. They created in these inanimate things, thinking that these things were something they should be worshipped. And how do we do that in modern times? We have idol worship in different ways, don't we? We worship money. We worship cars. There's no difference. It's the same thing. We just do it differently today because we have more physical objects. Now, we're talking about praying and relating to a personal God, a God who really did create you, who really does know who you are, who really does know everything about who you are as a person. Big difference. Amen? Amen. He's a God who is holy, just as he declares in his word, but he's also a personal being that can relate to you on a meaningful level 
and you can relate to him. We're reminded that we were created in his image. If it, were, if it, it would be com- completely different if he was an impersonal God who didn't care about you or didn't respond or just responded indifferently. You know, how would it be if God prayed to you, if you prayed to God about something, and you just said, he just said, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. Whatever you want to do. It's not the same, is it? There's a little bit different relationship there, isn't it? If that were the case, there'd be no need for prayer at all. If he was an indifferent God, if he didn't care, then why pray at all? But prayer is something that he wants us to do. He stresses that we should do it because he is a personal God. He wants to be in your life. He wants that communication from you. Amen? We also got to go back and look at his nature and his character. His nature and character is to be a loving God, which makes him all the more relational to you. As you learn more about this aspect of him, the love that he has for you will continue to grow and will make him even more relatable to you in your prayers. So we got to know that he is relational, he's loving, and all-knowing. That's all part of his character. He wants all of these things for you because he does care about you. Okay, another out of the box one? Yeah, Rossmo, I got a Rossmo thought here. Isn't it pretty unique that we have this desire, this innate desire to have something to worship and to have something to pray to and to have some type of higher being? Even though we may may have a choice to make that car be it, but, you know, the unique part is that we have the desire to to have something greater than us. That's right. to, To look to. And where do you think that desire comes from? It comes from God. He created you to be just like that. He created you so that you will always be seeking or searching for something. Him. Well, people who don't know the Lord, what do they do? They substitute trying to fill a void in their life. That only can be filled by Christ. But what is, what's the point? They're always searching for something. That's something that is created within you to do that, yes. I think it ties back into being in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, a lot of people carry their image in a, in a prestigious way, in money, uh, cars, yes. uh, fame. For, for the Christian, we mm-hmm. carry our image and, and want to be more like Christ's image, more than like the world. Um, I think it also plays into self-identity. Right. Um, or self-worth. Right. Um, so. Absolutely. Another thought to, to Travis's thought is that people constantly say, I feel empty. Yes. I feel lost. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, I mean... So something needs to fill that void. Right. Absolutely. So we're... I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. They call it the God-shaped vacuum. In people, it's kind of a kitschy term, but basically it just means there's a place in your life, no matter how many things you get, acquire, do, go, see, experiences, everything, it's never going to fit that place because it's uniquely shaped to fit only God. So you can put a lot of things in it, but you'll never get that. Until you put God in that place, you're going to be lost and open and always feeling like that wasn't it either. That's right. Absolutely right. 
Very good. Yes, Elaine, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I want to kind of revert back to the first. I know we always uh, hear people say, well, you communicate with God all day long, you pray all day long, but give us a little example. I know we tell that to people all the time, but show us what that looks like. Show us what it looks you're, like. You're getting up in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you sometimes you need the ABCs because we say pray all day long. For a new Christian, what do you mean? Okay. So we said earlier about prayer, you can pray out loud or you can pray silently. Amen? Amen. We, we all agree that that is what takes place. When you think a thought in your mind and you're actually thinking about God, you're praying to him. Because he knows you. He created you with this mind. So it's immediate communication to God what you're thinking. That's awesome by itself, just even thinking about something like that. But that is what you should be doing all day. And that means when you wake up, you know, when I wake up normally, I try to remember. Sometimes I do it later in the day. But sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I open up my, I have my phone and my iPod with me and I open up and look at what the scriptures of the day are to read. And I start reading right in my bed. And so you get, the, you get the day started that way, and it's ongoing. So now you go from there. I usually get, I'm using myself as an example now. Wait, I'm sorry. I wasn't taking your chair. Um, you go, there's something to lean on. That's what you go and you, you get ready for, you know, get ready for work. Let's just use a typical work day, right? You go get ready for work, and you're thinking about your day. You're thinking about what's going to be taking place in your day. Most of us, I mean, those of us who are still working, think about, What's going to go on that day? It was not a good idea to be in my head recently because what goes on in my day, uh, your head would blow up just thinking about it. But having said that, I'm thinking about what's going on, what the schedule is for the day, what meetings I have at work, and you're meditating and praying about what those things are that are taking place, making sure that you know the, the proper thoughts are being used, the proper words are being spoken. All these things take place. You're driving to work. Well, that's a whole different set of prayers, amen? Because you, everything that you prayed about before is going to be challenged now. Because if you're driving back and forth, and I, you know, most of you know from the way I, I drive 40 minutes, 40, 40 minutes one way and 40 minutes going back, typically. That's 45 minutes or so. So I'm on, in the car pretty much a lot, and I see a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Every every day you see something, and Lord, and you'll be saying, "Lord, keep yeah. this person in his lane." Lord, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of prayers that go with that, and not just superficial. I'm talking, you know, real serious. Right. Look, I've already been rear-ended once on a freeway before. I don't want to do that again, and you don't want to go back out there and get that again. Okay, so I'm praying for safety. I'm praying for protection. That is a very real prayer. That is nothing to be sloughed about. You know, that's something you always pray about. You get to work. Well, the environment at work could be a very quiet environment or a very busy environment. You're praying for calm and peace. You're praying for the ability to think through the day, think through what's going on. Now, notice how the different examples I just used. I'm still in the morning. We haven't even gotten to the we haven't even gotten to lunch yet. We haven't gotten to the first break for the bathroom yet. Okay. Haven't even barely got in there. So you're yeah, you pray about that too. <laughs> So, I mean, I can go on and on, but you can see how your day is going to have enough challenges during the day where you should be really thinking about how you're praying to God about getting through the day. Yes. I'm going to piggyback on Mark. Now, uh, speak about, to that person that thinks that, oh, I don't want to bother God with that, that little thing. You know, you yeah. only need to speak to him about 
Well, first of all, that's false. Because if he is a personal God, like we've been saying, and if he is concerned about you as a person, there's nothing too small for you to pray about. Can we just come to that conclusion? There's there's nothing too small. You know, Lord, I have a headache. You know, and this is just something off the top of your head. He's like, you know, I'd like to get rid of this headache. Help me get through this, this situation here and all that. That's not too small. Now, you, you have a headache for a reason. There's tension. There's something environmentally that's causing it, whatever it is. And so you're trying to get through that next to the next moment. There's nothing too trivial. You know, you're praying, for example, maybe the person who works right with you or next door to you doesn't know the Lord. Now, look. That should be an ongoing prayer for anybody who's involved with ministry. You're praying about people who are unsaved in your workplace or unsaved that you run across. Your unsaved family members. You've got stuff to pray about all the time. You don't have any. There's no excuse for anybody in Christ to not be praying about people who are unsaved. Even if it's the mindset to say, Lord. Make it hard on this person so they come and recognize that only you are the one left. That's not a bad prayer. That's actually a very good prayer. Did you have your hand up, Columbus? I'm sorry. In, in prayer, and as we're talking about this, God is holy. And Amen. Should we approach him, should we have sin in our life? And, no. And should that be the first thing on our lips? I would like to think that most of us, when we're looking at our daily living, because... Let's just put it out there for everybody. We all sin. And we all sin perhaps once a day. Amen? I'm saying perhaps. I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there because I want you to think you sin at least once a day. Amen? Now, we said yesterday that, you know, we said we didn't want to use the crutch. We didn't want to use the crutch and say, you know... I make mistakes. That's a crutch. God already knows you make mistakes. That's why he died on the cross for you. So that's a crutch. So we acknowledge who we are. So we know that if we are truly in fellowship with the Lord all day long, and we're recognizing we made a mistake, and we're prayerful about it, he's going to be forgiven. He'll forgive it. He says he will do that because that's his nature. That's a loving nature God. So this is an ongoing thing that you're doing. Let me, and I'll come back to you. Go ahead. That's one of the ongoing prayers that Noah and I have usually for people is that they will be mindful of their testimony and the light that they give off. Everybody has a testimony for Christ, whether it's a good one or a bad one. That's a good choice or a bad choice. So we pray that people will be mindful of the audience that they've been given every day, be it one person, a group of people, a corporation, your kids. But always to be mindful that everything you say and do is a reflection of Christ in you. Or the lack of Christ in you. Right. So be, it's just to be mindful of it. Like when you get ready to tell somebody off, it's like, <laughs> okay, yeah. this is what you're putting forth. They know you're a Christian. They're watching too. They're, yeah, they are yeah. watching you. So yeah. you have to be careful. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Columbus, you had another point you want to make, and I'll come back just to say What we were talking about is repentance is key to communication. Oh, oh absolutely. Acknowledging, acknowledging that you need, Lord, you need him. That. In that respect right there, you actually are repenting. You're actually dealing with the fact that you are 
fallible. You need his help. You need him to help you. That's very important. Faith, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sometimes, too, if you position yourself in the right way, I think if I'm truly a servant of Christ mm-hmm. and I'm looking for him to lead me and guide me, I need to be constantly staying in tune with the leader to know what I need to be doing. Absolutely. And it's important for you to position yourself in the right way to do that. Absolutely. Yes, go ahead. I was saying that when you talk about relationship and, and talking, I have to learn as I'm going. I try to start my eyes out with Thanksgiving. Okay. Acknowledging him. You know, that's why scripture says entering this court with praise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're so busy with our communication, we don't take time to thank him for who he is. Amen. We're so busy acting like we got a personal Santa Claus. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So I'm trying to learn now, when I do this, when I wake up, I just thank him. Amen. Recognizing his holiness and who he is. Mm-hmm. Amen. And then, you know, and going on through the day, I just try to communicate with him with everything I try to do because I made some mistakes on my own. Okay. Big ones. <laughs> so now I try not to venture out anyway without acknowledging him. So let's make a conclusion here for everyone in this room to make a commitment when we talk about praying without ceasing and doing it all day long. Let's make it a practice. And I would even challenge you to do something that I started doing at work, and I mentioned this a while ago, too. I actually have on my Outlook calendar at work (coughs) at three points in the morning and three points in the afternoon where I stop for five minutes and reflect on a scripture or reflect on something to get out of the routine of the day and kind of center myself back towards the Lord. I really recommend that. It's a flexible schedule because you can see it on your calendar, but other people can't see it. So when meetings come, you can set it up that way, where you can do it that way. But by just doing something like that, and during lunchtime is another time you do it too, but these are separate meetings during the morning, like five-minute breaks, just to stop and reflect on Scripture. And we have, and I have apps, you know, I'm like a gadget guy, so I've got apps that will pop up into my watch and say at 9.55 in the morning it will have a passage that pops up automatically. And I stop and read it, and I stop and reflect on it, and how God in his magnificence and his holiness, there are different passages that come up, but there are reminders about what you're doing all this stuff for and who you're doing it for. You're doing it for Jesus Christ. Everything that you do is, is being done for Christ. So I challenge you to think of ways to do that and be creative with that, to build in ways in your routine to try to take a time to stop and do that. And I have six times a day where I'm doing that in the morning and the afternoon. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just doing what works for me, amen? Amen. You do what works for you. You figure that out. (laughs) I'll let you worry about that. But make a commitment to do that because that's something that's going to be very, very helpful for you when we're talking about this thing about living out for Christ and praying without ceasing and really seeking him. You know, sometimes you're going to get busy where you're not going to be able to just necessarily pray about every little thing you're doing. You've got to focus on your work, for goodness sake. You've got to do a good job. You have things that you have responsibilities for, but just make it a point to make a practice to do these things. Okay? Yes, sir. Some of the things that Arlen brought out, I think, the lostness and so forth, the hopelessness, I would call those things crisis moments. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really longing now because I'm at my end with. Yes. the thing with the Christian, I think, there's a progression fellowship with the Lord. Yes. Even with Adam, in a perfect environment, and gave Adam all this authority, mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on the limb. 
I don't think God put in Adam the ability to make all the right decisions okay. in everything he had to do. Okay. Therefore, God came to Adam, walked with him in the cool of the day, and they could talk about yes. <laughs> his assignment. Okay. <laughs> his to do, you know. And two scriptures. One, uh, God tells us He's a wonderful counselor. Yes. And boy, don't we need counsel. Amen. <laughs> Always need counsel. And, and if you take counseling, it's always private. Yep. And then he says, boy, come, let's reason together. Because we get stuck, and we need to have somebody to help unstick us. Mm-hmm. And we need to go reason with him. You know, even though I have this thing, I think I have it reasoned out. Now I need to go talk with him. Well, that's the whole point. When you're going through a difficult situation, those, that was, those are great points. When you're going through a difficult situation, you don't have an immediate answer sometimes. You have to go through a process to get to that place. You're still seeking the Lord in everything you're doing, and he's providing information, information, more information, more guidance, more information, talking to other people, more information, until you can make a decision. So often now when we, we do everything else, we reason, we talk to our friends, we do everything else that we're not supposed to do before we go to God. Yes, that's right. That's right. Very good point. Okay, so let's continue on. So, God's character means everything about his nature, and we should be spending time in prayer with him. So let's talk about what do we do with this prayer. How are we to use this prayer? And that's something we have to look at. Prayer as a means of complete communication with Jesus Christ includes everything within the realm of a believer's relationship with Christ. Expressions of joy or sorrow. Everything, whatever is in the realm of how you think, that's the way you should be thinking with him. Or even everything in between. Worship is a form of prayer. Because it is being directed as a communication to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Worship is also a form of prayer too. Whatever you're doing, even your actions, that's actually an act of prayer as you're working and serving him. On a more personal level, prayer is the way. For you to communicate with God. It's your personal thing. I can talk about it, but ultimately it has to do with how you use it. How you live with it. God has a number of ways that he communicates with you. We actually talked about this a couple years ago in another seminar about the different ways that God communicates with you. Charles, you remember that? Remember all the different ways God communicates with you? We had about a list of 12 or 13 different things that we actually said. I don't know if you remember that or not. No, I don't. You do remember that, don't you? We talked about how he, he uses dreams. He uses circumstances. He uses other people. He uses the Holy Spirit. There are many different ways that God communicates with you. Amen? Everybody agree with that? Okay. Dreams is a way. I mean, we, we, I gave a bad example of a dream. Uh, but you remember that too, don't you? <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that for this audience, though. No, we won't do that. Uh, because it was kind of a, it was PG rated, actually, wasn't it? Uh, but see, he, the fact that he remembers it, that tells you how much it stuck. I just, I basically ruined him for life after that dream. <laughs> I talked about that. Okay. But having said that, um, but there's a great deal of emphasis on the importance of reading the Bible. He, that's how he communicates with us, too. The Bible is another way. The Bible is the way he communicates with us, too. His word. So that we need to make sure that we're regularly reading it and have greater understanding that way. So that's very important as well, too. 
The more exposure that you have to God's word and the Holy Spirit provides wisdom for you and knowledge leading to a stronger, more effective prayer life. Your commitment, your pact with Jesus Christ starts with an effective life of prayer. It starts with it. It is all about it. Let's just make a conclusion right here and now. If your prayer life sucks, your life's going to suck. Amen? Amen. It really is. If your prayer life sucks, your life's going to suck. Because that means you have no communication coming from you to the Lord. You're not doing what you should be doing to help really grow in your commitment to Christ. Really important for you to see that. I'll I'll leave that up before I take it down. Effective life of prayer. Effective is a very important adjective. Amen? Effective means that you are truly doing everything you can to work that prayer life. And one time a day won't do it. Twice a day really won't do it. Amen? There's no number. I don't want to give you a number on how many times because there's no limit to this. There's, it's whatever you're capable of doing. But if you're doing an ongoing relationship with the Lord, you won't, you won't have to worry about counting the number of times you pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Just, just <laughs> okay. a comment. Um, if we look at the life of Jesus, oftentimes in his ministry he did. He just prayed to the Father constantly. That's right. Yeah that natural communion between him and the Father was mm-hmm. there. It was never uh, a time where he did not communicate to the Father. Amen. That's exactly right. Okay. Um, just checking with the audience. Are we good? Keep on? Take a break. Take a break? Okay. This is a good break point. <laughs> All right. I, no, I don't know. Five minutes. We will resume in five minutes. Just be aware. So we're building in a break right now. As a reminder, too, um, we do have a built-in break for checkout time. If you have not checked out of the hotel, we automatically build in a break for about 15 minutes at about 11, at 11 o'clock to check out. So we haven't forgotten about that, so don't worry about it if you haven't done it already. Amen? Amen. All right, see you in five minutes. You know why I asked you that? It's because a lot of times people 